Hi there, it's Andy Saunders here again and this is So What, a podcast from Origin that questions everything you thought you knew about energy and explores the solutions that exist today. And in this episode, our last for this series... (laughs) Get it together, Andy. We discover where our power actually comes from. Nope, we've done it. We look at electric vehicles, did it. We dive into the gamification of the energy industry. Computer says no. What about solar? Done. Flew to the sun and back. Batteries? Wah, wah. Oh, the VPP. Virtual power plants. Yes! Have you ever wanted to be a part of something bigger, like the rock Dwayne Johnson's left arm, or even his right? Technology and artificial intelligence is enabling the creation of virtual power plants, allowing your renewable energy to be stored and then exported to the grid when it's actually needed. In episode six, our final for the series, we explore virtual power plants, how they work, what customer incentives might compel you to sign up and get in on this new generation. We'll also hear some closing thoughts from a few of our series guests about what the future energy landscape might look like. I'm not saying they had me at hello, but they kind of did. This is Mark Nemus. They had me. They said, we have a power plan here and here is what we've got. And like three minutes later, tick. Mark ticked the box and signed up with Origin's virtual power plant called Loop. We'll hear from him throughout this episode and unpack his experience as a VPP, VIP. But first, let's get familiar with what a virtual power plant is. In episode 5, you might remember, I pulled the batteries from Origin's Mark Kerr because he started talking about virtual power plants. Well, now it's his time to shine. Let's power him back up. is a virtual power plant, and and what it is is essentially you can take all of these behind-the-meter energy assets. Remember, behind-the-meter assets are your solar panels, residential batteries, air cons, hot water systems, and even electric vehicle batteries. And then what you do is is, um, you create an ability for them all to work together or you orchestrate them. And that requires you to have some relatively sophisticated software and it requires uh, that software to be able to talk to each of those behind the meter energy assets um, through the internet effectively. So what happens is you can create a power plant by getting all of these distributed behind the meter energy assets to actually work together and talk together through a, through a software platform. And that's what's called a virtual power plant. Unlike power plants we're accustomed to, a virtual power plant doesn't take up space, nor does it require transmission lines stretching out from it across the countryside, like monster tentacles. Oh, that's one of my phobias. You can create effectively the same effect by having all of these distributed assets and you have this great ability to, you may not need to turn the whole asset on or the whole asset off, you can just turn the bits of those virtual power plant on that you that make the most sense uh, at the time. So you might turn 10% of it on, you might turn 50% of it on to do certain things, you might turn 90% on. We all know that at certain times of the year, like in the height of summer or dead of winter, the grid works overtime, storing energy from assets like residential batteries to be tapped into as needed. That's got to help stabilise it, right? Well, let's run a scenario. The middle of summer, um, air conditioning's on, 
on high. Maybe the centralized power plants are struggling to provide enough generation. If you can get all of those behind the meter assets to work together to send additional electricity back into the grid, then you can reduce the cost of electricity and potentially avoid a blackout. And so when you have things like natural disasters, they can play a really important role in being able to ensure that uh, some individual houses keep power, but even the grid in certain areas keep power. It's early days, but they have the potential to be really quite an important aspect of energy infrastructure in the future. Remember Mark, they had me at Hello Nemus? Mark was quick to recognise the benefits to signing onto Loop and being part of this new type of power plant. I'm genuinely saying it took about three minutes for me to agree to it when it was actually explained to me what they were actually doing. And the notion of some, uh, basically buying a plant of batteries that you can use yourself when needed, and then that the utility in the area can actually use some of that power when it needs it and pay you for it, right, is an absolute game changer. And if you think about what it is from someone like an origin perspective is, or from a utility, instead of going and getting that power from the Latrobe Valley or wherever we buy it and bringing it all the way to you when your neighbor's using more than you are, it makes so much more sense for me just to give it to the neighbor. But I'm not arranging all that, it's all automatic. So that's all worked through. Mark says his family home uses a lot of energy, but to be bleeding edge sustainable, as he puts it, he incorporates old school ideas with tech. So most people are familiar with a worm farm that you might have where you put your kitchen scraps on. So for this particular property, instead of having uh, their sewerage that's available, but before things go into the sewerage, we basically have a 12,000 litre tank that's effectively full of worms. So all of the wastewater, everything, goes into that tank first. Okay, Mark's house is more sustainable than most, but put aside the 12,000 litre worm farm, forget about the 20,000 litre water tank, ignore the renewable building materials and don't even look at the environmentally conscious design. What helped convince Mark to be part of the virtual power plant was using tech gadgets to monitor energy usage. So right now, we are generating three kilowatts of power and I'm using two. So right now, my batteries are taking one kilowatt. So what does that equate to? What, 25 cents, 20 cents. So I'm putting 20 cents of power into my little piggy bank in the garage that I know in an hour when the sun goes down, I'm then instead of buying it at 25 cents, I'm actually taking it out of my battery, right? And it's that metric that makes a lot of sense to me is that I store it there for when I need it. Our house uses a lot of energy, relatively speaking, on standby. Just because you go to sleep at night doesn't mean your appliances on standby suddenly stop costing you money. It's not like shutting your eyes and the boogeyman disappears. My number two phobia? Except when you're connected to a VPP, it sort of, kind of is. When we go to sleep and everything is off, the batteries are there just keeping the whole house on standby, right? And you, and you just know that our standby in most houses might be a couple hundred watts. Your fridges are running, your smart devices, whatever they are, they're just being taken care of by the batteries. In episode five, you heard our guests predict that the cost of home batteries will start to come down, like solar did. Well, being connected to a virtual power plant helps reduce that payback period. Because if you're on the VPP, your battery is earning money. Here's Ariel Liebman. We've heard from him throughout the series. He's a professor at the Monash Energy Institute. I think we're best friends now. 
So if you can access additional value, if you can provide additional services without degrading the value to yourself, if you, which is primarily if you're talking about payback periods, you're talking about um, you know offsetting the energy you're going to buy from the grid when the sun is not shining. So obviously there are trade-offs. If you do something with your battery that's not optimal to managing your own costs, then you'll degrade your payback component due to your offsetting your thing. So um, your own use. So in that case, you will be able to um, get higher benefit than that loss through the virtual power plant. So there's a you know for the customer a really big win there to say hey I can use my battery in the home not only to store and use the extra solar energy that I'm using. This is Brendan Manzi from Origin's Future Energy team. We're going to be best friends too. But also if I now enroll it and if I connect it to this loop I can even save more by at certain times when the the grid demand's really high I can send some energy out to the grid and win from that. So it's turning that that battery owner almost into a bit of an energy trader. You know, they're there and they can sell their energy at a really high price out into the grid. Um, and we kind of do the hard work for the customer in managing, managing all that. Reducing that payback period for batteries is yet another draw card for Mark. Like barbecue sauce on a hamburger is for me. And the deal with Origin was, the simple metric was, I'm either going to pay it to you in energy... Or I'm going to pay you because it's financed over 24 months. I'm going to pay to basically to pay off that device. That's the same cost of what, as what I was using in energy. And then I basically get it. So the payback period on batteries has completely shrunk. Say the batteries are $10,000 or $15,000. If the batteries were that price and you took that money off your home loan, if you had the ability to do so, and you're paying interest at 2 or 3% on that money, but in the meantime, you're saving 10% or 20% or 30% on your power bill, the metric still stacks up, right? Because you literally have the device and you're paying that off if you can. In the case of the virtual power plant, they literally, similar to when you buy your phone, um, like at a Telstra store or whatever, they just take the price of the phone, divide it into 24 months or 36 months, and then you have to pay that. They're not giving you really any discounts. They're basically financing it for you. It's exactly the same on the power plant, the deal that I was on. So the payback period on batteries has completely shrunk and the virtual power plant makes, if I could double the batteries, I would. I think they'll end up playing a pretty major role. Professor Liebman's convinced that virtual power plants like Loop are a future energy feature. Because this is where you can sort of double dip in the expenditure of on the assets. So as a consumer, you want your battery at home to give you reliability, added reliability uh, perhaps, and then it helps you soak up your solar and utilize your solar better. But you also can also um, subscribe to be part of a virtual power plant to then provide additional services that are only um, useful when you have an aggregation of a large amount of capacity of these batteries. So then that's what they call value stacking. And you've got many value streams that can be uh, delivered by the battery at home and then um, that will be you'll either be paid for it or given discounts uh, based on how you allow that to be operated so you'll have ultimate control as the, as the consumer but somebody else will send you little signals for the battery to automatically do its thing being able to monitor energy usage and mesh digital technology to our home appliances makes sense as our homes become smarter 
most people's power apps on their phone just tell them when their bills due and can you pay it online and maybe how much energy you're using. So that's cool. The next step is, well, if that's my primary interface, then I want to be able to turn things on and off remotely. All right. So turning things on and off remotely is sort of phase one that you can do on your app. Quite frankly, is that better than a light timer that you or I grew up with over the last 20 years? Who knows? The next step is where the devices themselves start to make decisions for you based on your profile of usage. You then now have a device that is learning. It's looking at what the weather is. It's looking at what you normally do at this time. And it's beginning to make those decisions around whether or not to turn the heat on based on your normal profile. And the fact that that's happened automatically is effectively when people are talking about AI and decision, and it might be scary for some people, but for others, it's actually kind of, that's, that's the true power of this sort of stuff where it makes that decision for you based on your metrics. Earlier, I asked you to imagine behind the meter assets from your own home connecting to a grid. Now, imagine thousands or millions of home assets, like solar, pool pumps, hot water systems, air conditioners, EV and residential batteries, all connected, all communicating with the grid. That is very smart. So all of these things, because they uh, are now increasingly digitised and they have the sort of communications built into them, um, they can be essentially controlled and and optimised as more of a, you know, uh, a mesh or a network. Here's Origin's Brendan Manzi again. We're moving from a world where, you know, most of our energy is sourced from a handful of big points of supply and increasingly moving towards many thousands or millions of points of supply um, through, for example, rooftop solar, where you've got, you know, two and a half million homes now um, with rooftop solar all generating energy being used in the home, but also spitting it out into the grid. And you're also moving to a future where you've got this digitally connected sort of web of, of energy demand. Um, so if you think about the big devices like air conditioners uh, or a pool pump or a hot water system or even an electric vehicle charger, increasingly these things are now digitally connected and they can talk to the internet um, or they can become part of a, a bigger connected ecosystem. So Loop and virtual power plants are really trying to look at those many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of points of supply and demand that are out there and really play an orchestration role in to think about, well, how do we shift the consumption and also the generation of energy around in the day to create a much more efficient system um, where you've got energy demand and supply sort of matched and married up um, and a system that, that can accommodate increasingly renewable energy and use it really effectively. To be most effective, a VPP needs to connect to our assets, like home batteries. But why would I give an energy company that kind of access? The primary reason is a battery is a whole lot more useful um, when it can be connected to a a broader connected ecosystem and not just meet the needs of somebody um, in a specific home or specific business, but when it can play a role in that, that broader connected loop or VPP ecosystem. Um, and what that means for that customer is we will use small amounts of the battery at specific times, and that might happen once or twice a month. And the value of that energy that's used is very, very small compared to the, the sort of benefits that the customer can earn. It's not like Mark Nemus needed any more reasons to sign up. It makes so much more sense for me just to give it to the neighbour. 
but I'm not arranging all that. It's all automatic. So that's all worked through. If there's anything I've learned during making this series, it's that the future feels less about big footprint houses consuming tons of energy and more about, as Brendan says, our homes, ourselves and our energy providers being part of a larger ecosystem. I also learned that Elon Musk wasn't an aftershave. So we've got something like 84,000 connected services as part of Loop now, and that spans across homes with solar, um, homes with batteries, electric vehicle charging, hot water systems, as well as Spike customers uh, and customers within Spike with, with connected devices. So 84,000 connected services through that, and at the moment we're providing about 182 megawatts of capacity. So no, we're, we're very much um, on a path now to growth. Once you've created that ecosystem in each of those houses, you'll then create the overlaying virtual power plant type ecosystem as well. Here's Mark Kerr again. Where what can happen is you can actually get all of, all of those different properties or houses also to work together in a collective sense, along with all the other uh, things that might be in the grid. So what you'll actually find is that you'll get orchestration between grid-scale batteries, grid-scale solar, as well as all of the, the behind-the-meter assets that individual houses own as well as individual businesses own as well as EVs will grow and grow and grow and what happens EVs electric vehicles won't just be charge them up and drive them they will actually start to work in a bi-directional way so you can use the electricity and the battery of your EV to support your house or support the grid or vice versa. But we can't end our series without going full Jetson. Here's Origins Chow Lee from our electric vehicle episode. And we recommend that EV drivers invest in these dedicated EV chargers to future-proof their home because as the range of these EVs increase, plugging into the standard PowerPoint is not going to cut it anymore. And if you have a dedicated EV charger that is connected to you know, a virtual power plant, say, Origins virtual power plant, then you can do a lot with your EV charging. So you can optimize the time at which your EVs charge to lower the cost of charging and actually earn money from charging your EV. Thanks, Chow. Any more thoughts on what to expect in the future? My vision for the future is electric and autonomous travel pods and everything will be connected and sustainable. So electric is definitely the first journey onto that sustainable mobility future. If these vehicles are autonomous, they can just be constantly traveling around and, you know, picking up customers, dropping off customers, knowing exactly when they need to charge, where they need to charge, and everything can be so much more efficient. Wow, Chow, travel pods. That really is a full Jetson future. I love chocolate pods too. You can tell that I've been watching too much Jetson when I was small. Origins Mark Kerr can also see a more interconnected future, one that will have benefits as we journey towards a grid powered by renewables. So all of these things will start to become interconnected in a way that's um, quite foreign to now, but it's starting to happen. It's already starting to happen. It's already starting to get scale. 
and, and there's, there's, you know, there's lots, lots more to do, but you will just see a future world where things are decarbonized, things are decentralized, uh, things are digitized because you're using uh, IT smarts to bring all this together. And you really get this whole new ecosystems within your home, but also the ecosystems that join all the properties and premises together in a way that's, um, that's very, very different to, to what the traditional models look like. An interconnected grid sounds amazing, but how do we as energy consumers get on this renewable highway? Do we just install a smart meter or can we do more? I thought I'd check in on Deb to see where she wants to start. We would probably first of all look at, at costs and reducing costs. So our questions now would be if we were building again, for example, we would definitely be looking at how to reduce the overall running costs of the house. Probably when we first started out building homes, we weren't as aware of what you could do in that space to make a house more comfortable and efficient. So we've changed, I guess. We're learning more as we go along and um, reducing costs would be definitely where we would start. So creating a house that's both comfortable and efficient, that sounds quite sustainable. As I mentioned earlier, Mark's home is more sustainable than most and he's an early adopter of tech. So I'm curious to know how he feels to be in the loop. I can answer that question in two ways. Number one is don't care. Okay, there we go. He doesn't care. Fine. Roll the credits. That's the end, folks. Series done. No one cares. Actually, Mark does care a lot. (laughs) God, I'm dramatic. You don't even realize it. Like, you just sit here and say, you know what? Most people would say, I just want to pay the least amount of money for my energy and do no harm. That's the way most people sort of feel about it. I've got those two monitors, the little LCD displays, like little weather stations. They look like little weather stations. And they're sitting on the mantelpiece under the TV. And one is what I'm generating and the other one is what we're using. And I can't really change what we're generating, but I can change kind of what we're using, right? And that's the thing I have a control over. What makes me incredibly happy is when I'm generating eight to 10 kilowatts of power, knowing that I'm powering my devices, my pool, my pumps, all that sort of stuff, then charging the batteries, and then the excess is a credit on my account. So you sit there and you go, it's kind of like a win-win-win. The the virtual power plant thing might sound sort of complicated. I think moving forward, though, it's really going to be around um, the metrics of how that power is used. Once you have the base level of technology there, it will actually be the ability to basically make decisions based on your own individual usage. Let the tech learn from you and adapt to you. Part of me is kind of happy about it, but the other part of me is doesn't really care, doesn't even think about it. Throughout this series, we learn about solar and electric vehicles, gamification, home batteries, zombies, virtual power plants, chopper chups, 12,000 litre worm farms and so much more. With all that in mind, I asked Mark what he thought my first step should be on this journey. His answer was surprisingly simple, yet profound and complex. For me, it sums up our journey through this series because the answer, when all said and done, comes down to changing our behaviour to create a new normal for future generations. Now, one of the great things about the kids and sort of my wife is pretty big on basically changing behavior because of a metric. 
And so when we built the house, one of the best things you can do is you put in a thing called a, uh, an energy monitor that basically monitors real time what energy you're using. There's so many options now. You can get you know people that will come and plug something into your smart meter and it will put it to your phone or what have you. But for us with the family, when you're talking about the family, one of the great things about them is you give them a metric and a gaming dynamic. So the, the, the family knows that our house on standby will use X amount of energy. And when we walk out the door as a family, the family would look at that and they know that, hey, we've left something on because it's showing three kilowatts. What's on? Oh, the pool pump's on. Okay, cool. No problem. We know that. So they know to basically look for that. And these devices uh, from a family, the reason I mentioned that around the family is the family is the one, the younger ones are the ones that basically cause the change in behavior for the older ones. So my father-in-law was what you'd call a black recycler. You would never change. It all ends up in the same bin anyway. But until the until my daughter at that stage, who was 12, said, well, you're not even giving it a chance. Well, why wouldn't you separate? They've done the hard bits about giving you the different bins, so you might as well give it a chance. So until my daughter uh, told my his granddaughter, my daughter said to him, why wouldn't you do that? He wouldn't change his behavior. So that's the great thing about the kids is for them, it's just normal. For our family, it's just normal. And we're not doing anything that no one else couldn't do in their own environment. I thought our journey began at the very start of episode one, but now, at the end, I understand this as our true beginning. I hope you feel as empowered and inspired as Deb and I do to continue learning more, or at the very least, install a smart meter, maybe some solar panels, Uh, and Origin, I'd be happy with an electric vehicle, or even an electric toothbrush. Or razor, anything electric, really. Thanks so much for coming along for the ride. I'll see you in the future. Right now, though, I'm off for a surf. So what is the show that questions everything you thought you knew about energy and it's brought to you by Origin. Production and scripting by the team at Lawson Media. If you're keen to know more about Origin Loop, check out some of the resources I left in the episode show notes. You can also learn more about the podcast and catch up on other episodes at originenergy.com.au forward slash so what. Or share with friends and keep them in the loop. Inform family you're going to loop them up or loop them in. Ask random strangers if they're into loop. Oh, I could go on for hours. And if you found the series valuable, leave us a review. I'm Andy Saunders and that's it. We are done. Can someone hit the lights on the way out?